I had to just finally open my eyes and realize I'm good. Like it's, it's yourself that needs to be able to find that light, to step into the light, to empower yourself. You can't count on anybody. It has to come from within. You're always, always going to be enough. It all begins by understanding the mind. I want to be happy now. I don't care about the future. I want to be happy right now. You are not alone. You are never, ever, ever alone in this. It's helped my voice grow and given me freedom to be creative on my own. I'm Christina Barcy. Welcome to Be Bold Begin, a podcast dedicated to you, the creative, the healer, and the innovator. The topics and conversations we have here are designed to help you discover what might be getting in your way and offer you tools, techniques, and guidance to move through them. I live in the imposter's body more than I live in my own body. I don't have to feel like I don't deserve this. This is where creativity and healing intersect. If you decide to be bold and begin, you have the opportunity to feel humble and empowered. I totally believe that. I'm a certified Kaizen Muse creativity coach, a certified Reiki energy healer, and an entrepreneur, artist, and presenter. I will share with you my experiences, my proven tools and techniques that helped me and my clients and loved ones shift and expand in the areas they most desired. This is a gentle and open space where you will hear how others are being bold to encourage you to begin your own journey or expand the one you're on. This is Be Bold Begin. Hi, welcome back. This is Christina Barcy, your host, and I'm very excited to introduce my guest who is going to talk to us today about all things healing and entrepreneurship and her journey that brought it all together. I have with me today, Ava Bautista Fung. Welcome, Ava. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm really excited to just get into it with you about all of these things because they all resonate with me and I know they're going to resonate with everyone listening as well. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it will. So I want to tell people just a little bit about how I know you. So Ava and I met through a client of mine last year, which was one of those things that was fortunate, but sort of came out of the an unfortunate reason because Ava was furloughed from her corporate job at the time due to COVID and our lovely 2020. Uh, <laughs> but I got to benefit because she came on to our project and worked on guest communications and scheduling and all that nitty gritty stuff that comes along with putting podcasts together. And she was a huge, huge asset to us. So I just love how she just jumped right in and was already amazing. And that is how I knew her. But it wasn't until I randomly came across your Instagram, Ava, for your other Instagram, business Instagram, in addition to your personal one, which I didn't realize you had a really cool business called Cosmic Pop, which we're totally going to get into today. I love, love the name. And you create and sell items that serve the mind, body, and soul. And you also offer Reiki healings and all the fun stuff that a lot of our guests do. But all of us do Reiki, which is just super fun. And before all of this shutdown happened, the second, third, fourth, whatever shutdown at the end of 2020 happened, you were doing a pop-up in Silver Lake, which for those of you who are not in LA, that's a really fun, like artsy hipster neighborhood. But I was like, wait a minute, she's creating really cool stuff. She has a store, she has a business. What is this? And I love the name. And so I freaked out and I was like, I need to talk to you about this right away. <laughs> and I think I DM'd you and luckily you DM'd me back and wasn't weirded out by my overly excited DM. <laughs> I was so honored to hear from you. I was like, oh my God, Marcy. <laughs> I was just super excited and I'm still excited. So we're really going to dive in because we talked a little bit, but I'm going to get to learn so much more about your journey through this conversation as well. So I kind of just want to get into it. Are you okay with that? Let's do it. I'm excited. I'm excited and nervous all at the same time. <laughs> That's the good stuff right there. That's the fun energy when it's a little bit of both. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so like a lot of us who I think lean into this space or lean into ourselves, I should say, and then find these types of healing and creative spaces often have a moment of pivot or shift in their lives that where we're faced with that opportunity to lean into ourselves. And I know that your journey with Reiki is sort of at the core of that stories that we will get into that. But before all of that, you had went to business school, you worked in corporate, you started some other businesses, you got married, you had kids, you basically created what most people would deem a 
pretty full life. And you shared with me that, you know, despite all of that, that you'd built, you still felt like something was missing or that there was just more that should be there. Or, you know, that feeling we get, we're like, well, I have everything I want, but why do I still feel like this? So I'm going to ask you to just help us learn more about you. Tell us a little bit about your journey leading up to that point and how life was for you before you started to seek those new answers. All right. We could sit here for like five hours, but um, I'll cut to the chase. So I grew up, I was born in the Philippines. I grew up in sort of this healthcare family. Both of my parents were doctors. My dad was an anesthesiologist. My mom was a neonatologist. And that was sort of the expectation of me and my brother is to kind of follow that path. Growing up, I had always been into more creative things. I was, I considered myself artistic and I just had no outlet or I had no way to, you know, follow my passion. So the Mm -hmm. only thing left to do after I graduated college with an international studies major, because I dropped out of biology was to pursue either law or business school. So I chose something that I thought would maybe assist me in my future. So I I picked um, business school also because my brother did it. And I was like, oh, cool. I could do that too. So I wanted to prove everybody wrong and Mm. got into business school. I met our mutual friend, (laughs) Jesse. And I took a course there, even though my focus was on finance, I took a course there focused on marketing. And we worked with a clothing line based out of Orange County. And I was just so taken aback. I was like, wait a minute, I could go to business school, I could do finance, I could be creative all at the same time. So that kind of propelled me into the, I think I talked to you about this, the clothing line function apparel (laughs) that me and uh, one of my partners decided to kind of start after that. So did you start that company after school or were you already kind of dabbling in starting businesses when you were still going through getting your MBA? So we started the idea during maybe the first year into business school. And then we made it happen after we graduated in 2007. I'm just like aging myself. We just decided to get together. She knew people, I knew people, and we made it happen. So you mentioned you chose finance. What was it about finance that you switched from biology, you went into international studies, and then you chose finance. To me, that feels also as a creative person, like, oh my God, like one hard thing to the next hard thing to the next like, hard thing. So what attracted you to finance? I find that fascinating when people are attracted to things like that. I get it now as an older person, but right. as a young person, I struggle with understanding those choices. No, totally. So I did take a little bit of a, a windy turn after I graduated. I had a short stint in advertising So I was like in the spot buying role and I was living at home and I was like, this is not going to work for my social life. I need to find a better means to be able to live on my own. So from there, I got into an investment role out in uh, Santa Monica and that- Whoa, wait, wait, wait. How did you, people don't just get into investment roles. (laughs) That happened. It was just this entry level opportunity. I mean- you know, going into one of those roles, it's it's mainly like data entry and research. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I can do that. You know, I can read. I, I have my Bachelor of Arts in Social Sciences, <laughs> International Studies. I can do this. One of my friends was working there that I graduated from college and he turned in my resume. And I think for me, it's, you know, I'm fun. I have a personality. So I think it was more the conversation that I had with the hiring leaders versus, you know, my background in essentially nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's true, like from a perspective of having a business, I know that I'm more interested in hiring people that know enough that I can train skills with, but I want to hear their eagerness. I want their excitement. I want their ability to be, you know, motivated and start up. That makes a lot of sense to me when you say it that way. So, I mean, that's basically what started my journey into finance. And from there, I worked at at an aerospace company as a senior financial analyst. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But leading up to just all those different stints and the various facets of finance, and this is sort of 
where my my whole life turned around. My dad passed away in 2005, right when I was starting business school. And up until then, you know, I was like that spoiled little girl. If, you know, I needed help financially, if I needed to do anything, I just turned to mommy and daddy and, you know, they would be there to kind of just push me back into whatever I needed to do, get me in the right direction. So from there, after I got into that initial role in investment finance, I needed to figure out a way to pay for my MBA because right there, that was like a hundred thousand. And I was like, holy shit, like, what am I going to do now? So everything changed. Totally changed. My world turned upside down, you know, up until then, you know, I was just that confident girl, like, oh, you think I can't get that job? Well, watch me, you know, like watch me do it. I had just the support, the energy, everything that my parents kind of laid out for me, my foundation. And so that was just taken out right from under me at the age of 27. Mm. And I like to tell people like, I was 27, but I really think I was born 10 years too soon. (laughs) So Mm. uh, my mentality, my maturity level at 27 was that of maybe somebody that just graduated high school because I just cruised through college you know, you know, just took the classes that interested me. And because I wasn't going into biology anymore, because I wasn't going to be a doctor, I felt a little more cush, like cushiness. Mm. (laughs) So do you feel like that was the first real hardship in your life at that point? 100%. Yeah, I literally felt that shift, like my confidence, all the energy, everything that I invested my heart, my soul into it just you know, I was daddy's girl. (laughs) So that was the first time where I was like, holy shit, like I really need to grow up. You know, it's only my mom, my brother, my older brother, he was out on his own already. And I was just starting, you know, my career. Yeah. That must've been really lonely. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I, I'm also a daddy's girl and I can feel the loneliness I would have experienced if that occurred in my life at that point. Oh yeah. It was a heavy, heavy period in my life. And I think that's sort of what piqued my interest in healing energy, you know, all of that. Um, And I think I talked to you about this is I was just kind of cruising through Barnes and Nobles because that's what you kind of did back then, right? We didn't have uh, the internet and stuff. And I was, you know, I was just going through the aisles. And the one book that just caught my attention was that book that I told you about, uh, The Art of Happiness, based Mm on sort of the Dalai Lama's life. So that kind of propelled me into my journey. I was raised Catholic. My mom was like, okay, cool. Like whatever helps you heal, (laughs) but you're not converting, are you? (laughs) Like super conservative, super Catholic, you know, church every Sunday kind of family. And that's kind of what, I mean, my dad's death. Yeah. Finding Buddhism. (laughs) There's a bunch of things that kind of. What was it about that book? other than the title, it feels resonant. But what was it about Buddhism and about that book that really resonated with you at that time? And maybe still? Still, yeah. I mean, I think at that time I was just kind of aiming, like looking to find that that light, being in such a dark place. I mean, this was 15 mm-hmm. years ago, Barcy. It was like 2005. So I was still finding myself. I was trying to find where I belonged in my career, how I could potentially uh, merge my passion in, you know, the arts, like being creative, fashion, and all these like fun ideas that I got along the way. And being able to utilize that with my MBA that, you know, (laughs) that cost, I don't know, it was like $80,000, $100,000 at the time. So it's almost like a guide, like start here is what it feels like the way you describe it. Simply put, yeah. It was just like, oh my gosh, like there's like this light beaming around the book and I was like, ah, like maybe I'll find the answer here. And not that it told me what to do, but it, it definitely put me in a, in a certain direction. And from there, I just, you know, I just was hungry. I was hungry to find a tribe that could feel, you know, that compassion, that eagerness, the hunger to be happy. I was mm-hmm. looking for a home for myself And, you know, as great of a family that I have, friends that I have, like nobody could really understand what I was going through and what I was experiencing and feeling because, (laughs) I mean, who can, right? Yeah. And then again, you know, I think I talked to you about this before, being a female person of color 
and in the finance industry, there's just so many layers and hurdles to have to get through to be seen, to be heard, to be able to even add value or make a difference. Wow. So, okay, let's talk about that because you're right. That experience is very unique and you're going through an experience timing-wise in your life that was extremely unique to those around you and you're seeking answers that were unique to you. So going through that and then continuing to pursue finance at the time, you know, how did you find the, I want to say the power inside yourself to keep pursuing that, knowing that the barriers were so like deep and high, you know, the ceiling (laughs) is there. (laughs) Oh yeah. Again, it was just, I wanted to prove people wrong. That was just the one thing that my dad instilled in me. He was just like, who cares what people think? If you want to do it, you're going to do it. Just go for it. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it's just, for me, it was like me having to prove myself to the world and not letting his legacy kind of, you know, like I didn't want him to look at me from heaven, from the sky, wherever he was and be disappointed in me. Mm -hmm. So I feel like at that point, again, it was just this dark, heavy period I had to prove myself to myself, had to prove myself to my mom to make sure that she didn't have to worry about me, you know, allow her to kind of look at me like, hey, you know, um, Ava's grown up. Like I am, I'm good going solo. Like I didn't want my brother to have to worry about me. And then, you know, my relationships back then, I wanted people to think, hey, she's got this, you know, she is that strong, independent, you know, Filipino American girl, and she can do it all on her own without any help. And at that point, I feel like I became a people pleaser. Uh, And so, yeah, that's kind of also what kind of led me into reading a little bit more self-help books, understanding like, am I an empath or is there like something more to this world? Like, why am I feeling everybody's energy? So all of that happened and you wanted to prove to yourself and everyone, you know, that you could do this thing you set out to do that has a lot of barriers for many reasons, the space itself, and then being a POC woman going into the space. Was this moment in your life wanting to like pick everything up and carry everything with you? It sounds like, and did it feel like it was happening? And then you were like, Oh, were you losing yourself in that? And you're like, how did I get here? Or how did you come to this? Because you started to feel it and go, wait, something's wrong. Like now I'm people pleasing. What's going on here? Yes. Yes. And I continued on because, you know, every time I actually sat and thought about my life, my career, I mean, by then I was like, what, 30 years old, 31 years old. That's really young, by the way. I just want to point that out because the, the journey you're describing to me right now of all this discovery to me is like, really wise and really intuitive. And I found my first book was called creating joy. So it's similar. Interesting. And that was pivotal for me. And I didn't find that till much later in my life than my twenties, like I'd say 10 years later than 25, probably around 35, I'd say. And that's when things started to really shift for me. But I just want to give you that credit. Well, thanks. <laughs> yeah. It's difficult as things felt. You were still knowledge seeking and paying attention and listening to yourself through all of that. Kind of, but also because I was like, well, shit, I only have one life to live and I've wasted all of this energy and, you know, like my blood, sweat and tears into proving people wrong. When at the end of the day, I look back and I'm just like, I'm so unhappy. This sucks. Like, I, I hate working for the big man. I hate, you know, having to turn in these spreadsheets and these reports. Like, I could do it, but <laughs> do I feel any, like, passion or, like, anything, like, inside my soul that's going to, you know, when I die, am I going to look back and say, oh, yeah, close that month out, like, <laughs> you know, in four days versus, like, the two weeks? It did mm. nothing for me. But what did do something for me was, you know, the healing, the spirituality. And I didn't know how to define that or I didn't know what it was. And, you know, I recently started vocalizing this. I would have dreams, you know, I would have crazy dreams and um, I would have these outer body experiences. And I was like, that's weird. But maybe I just like ate too much before I went to sleep or something. Oh, wow. But it's a thing. And I'm, I'm reading that now that it's truly, you know, your connection to source, you know, being connected to the other side, um, spirits. Mm-hmm. And I ignored all of that. And, you know, when my dad, again, I like to think of him as being ascended into heaven. And he's just, you know, our angel and looking down at us and smiling at us and, you know, being there as sort of my angel or my spirit guide. But at that time, I was just like, 
what the hell is going on here? Like I'm having these thoughts, these like these images in my brain when I'm sleeping. Um, so I, I feel like I needed to seek more answers. I didn't know how to define it or how to verbalize mm. what I was experiencing and feeling and seeing. Wow. So when this was all going on, just for the timeline, were you still working in finance and you were starting to have dreams and things were starting to click for you differently? Yes. So go ahead. I want to get back to like, what happened after that? So you looked for answers around the dreams and like you kept searching. So did you pivot into a new position, a different job or like what happened after that? So I ignored all of that those feelings, those thoughts, those ideas, just because, you know, the people that are, that were around me, it it just didn't resonate with them. Like I couldn't have a a deep conversation with anyone about those ideas and those thoughts. So I continued on from aerospace. (laughs) Obviously I wasn't interested in um, M&A or mergers and acquisitions or any type of aerospace type analysis. So my idea was like, okay, well, I'm doing finance. I finally have my MBA. Let me try to pivot into a new industry, but you know, using the same skill set and information that I've worked professionally with. So I found myself at an entertainment company. I was hired on as a senior financial analyst at another major studio here in Burbank. Wow. Having no entertainment experience. Again, it was just me saying, oh yeah, you, you don't think I can do that? Well, watch me. So hmm. there I did it. <laughs> How was that experience? Like moving out of the finance world and into this other role that's now at an entertainment company. Did you feel like you're accomplishing more when you make that move? Or were you like, oh, I still feel the same way? I think at first I was like, oh, okay, well, awesome. You know, another, you know, notch on my belt and another kind of win for my my ego <laughs> for me sure. and I got into the role and I was like okay well I'm doing finance and I'm doing finance for something interesting that I really like I love the movies right I love you know at the time it was I worked in international home video so I was like oh cool so I took my bachelor's degree in international studies and my MBA and I merged it together and I'm finally where I need to be and again after three years it just, it didn't feel right to me. And that's sort of where I decided to take a break from doing the analysis, the finance, and I quit my job with no backup. Hey, I did that. I get that. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, and that's sort of around the same time where I just finished business school. Uh, We had this awesome idea of starting that organic men's loungewear line. So, right. Okay. So what's the overlap with the business? Did that happen at the same time in the background? So we were, yeah, we're kind of talking about it. I was just graduating and we're like, Oh yeah, we could do this as a side gig. You know, we all have our full-time jobs. Like let's just work on it along the way. That's a lot. You were in school and working full-time in corporate finance positions and starting this company. I didn't realize that. That's a lot. Kind of is, but that's kind of my personality. Like if I'm not doing more than three things at the same time, then I'm like, what's going on with me? Why am I like, why am I stagnant? I'm so lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I relate to that. I'm a perfectionist overachiever as well. But that's still, I just want to acknowledge that because it's a lot and it's great. Yeah. yeah it's funny so go on. Say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. So I quit that job and I was like, forget this. I don't want to do finance anymore. I'm going to pursue my passion. I'm going to be this fashion, you know, design slash designer with no experience in fashion merchandising. (laughs) And I'm going to be successful at it. Watch, I, I did all that before and I can do this too. So I did that for about a year and a half. And then at the end of that stint, we ran out of money. And as amazing as my partners were, it just didn't make sense for all of us to continue on. Mm-hmm. Like we got to the point where we had all of our patterns set. We had everything made. You know, we had the photo shoots going. We had everything ready to go and we're ready for sales. And we ran out of money. <laughs> and oh, wow. My partner's interest kind of veered off to other projects, other things. And it was essentially my baby. So, I mean, to this day, it's still kind of. Like it's kind of a thorn in my side. Mm. Do you view that time like it was a failure? How's that resonate with you? Definitely. 
definitely a failure that I'm still trying to shed, still trying to release. That energy just sits with me so heavily. But I also think it's one of those experiences that um, pushed me to get something else going, to try to bury that experience and say, hey, well, I fucked up at that point, but watch this. Let me show you this. So by that time, we ran out of money. I put in a ton of my savings along Mm -hmm. with my partner. So we called that kind of like a wash, Mm -hmm. a kind of a failure. And that's why I was like, shit, I got to go back into finance again. So Mm -hmm. back into finance, I went as a business planner this time. But again, for an entertainment uh, slash electronics company, still working in, in the movies, still working in, you know, entertainment. And that was awesome. I actually had a great time doing that because we were able to go to some of those conventions, right? Comic-Con? It was Comic-Con. And then there was another convention. Oh my gosh. In Las Vegas. Yeah. So all entertainment. And so I was like, oh, I could do this. And that lasted about almost four years, three and a half, four years. And then I got married. And so I do have to back up. So Right after Function Apparel, I was doing everything on my own. And I was like, I'm not going to let this fail. I'm not going to let this fail. Let me see if I can network. Let me see if I can meet people that can help me push this passion, this baby along. So along the way, I met a friend who's now like, she's literally one of my sisters. She helped me. Well, actually, we partnered and we created another sort of e-commerce accessories, like streetwear line called Concrete Violet. Great names. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I was really passionate about that too, but that gave me the opportunity to kind of explore another side of my creative kind of passions. From there, you know, we were selling like jewelry and talking to vendors to be able to provide this type of streetwear and like jewelry line to sort of that market. And that Mm -hmm. lasted for a while. And then that's when I got married. I had my first child and that's sort of where my interest in that partnership kind of dwindled because I wanted to focus on my full-time job that was paying the bills that could get us a new house, right? That would allow for, I guess, the financial freedom to raise a kid in Los Angeles. Which is extremely difficult to achieve in the ways that many other people in the country get to achieve Yes, in terms of standard standard of living and and all of that. So that makes sense. It was kind of a practical choice at that point, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I was able to sort of maintain that, you know, the creative side and the marketing piece and, you know, the e-commerce stuff, but it just wasn't enough. <laughs> but at that point, I was just kind of going through the motions life, right? Just I was like, okay, well, now I have a family and I have my first child, um, so I better just drop those ideas and that crazy idea of maybe getting function apparel back on track. So Mm. from there, I continued on in finance, became a consultant working hideous, like ridiculous hours till 10 o'clock at night. That was when my second child was born and I came home one night and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I, I don't even get to see my children because I'm trying to maintain this lifestyle. Like, what good mm-hmm. is this paycheck if my beautiful two boys, if I can't, like, enjoy it, <laughs> enjoy the time with them? Right. How long did that last for you? What, did you kind of wait it out or try to think about it a bit? Or was it another jumping off point where you're like, well, screw this, I'm quitting? <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it was screw this. (laughs) Screw this. I'm quitting. But I was a little smarter this time because I did have the mortgage to pay. Um, You know, not that my partner couldn't, you know, take care of us. But for myself, for my again, for my ego, I had to be equal (laughs) in providing for the family. So I was interviewing. And that's sort of where I made my pivot from finance consulting into recruitment. And that's sort of mm. where that pivot happened, where I wanted to get a better work-life balance. And I thought, okay, well, I'm depressed as fuck and I'm not doing anything that I love. So might as well focus my energy and my love and my attention to my children. Mm. And so I thought recruiting was the end all. Like, this is the final pivot in my life and I'm going to be where I need to be. <laughs> and? And I was- that go? <laughs> I I learned the hard way. 
little did I know that agency recruiting, there's a whole lot of, there's just a lot of heartbreak <laughs> Mm. in sales. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it is, is, is a sales organization. It is a, a business. You're basically selling consultants to clients. And I think that's what really, really pushed me deeper into this like darker abyss of like depression. Wow. Do you feel like it, it's so heartbreaking because you're empathetic, you're an empath, or it's also the nature of the gig, but I don't know that everyone handles it the same way. And I think for me, I would probably feel the heartbreak too. Yes. I get very involved in how people are doing. So that was my problem. <laughs> that was definitely my problem. In recruiting, you meet hundreds of people <laughs> and you get to know them. You know, you get to understand their, their background, where they are in life. Why are you consulting? Well, I just need to get by right now, you know, or um, I was just laid off or I was fired from this last role. And th- you just build these relationships. And your role sounds like you're trying to connect to help people. And I imagine when that doesn't work out, it's heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. It's so hard not to, not to attach yourself. So at that point, I was like, okay, well, I do have a little bit of a balance. Um, I'm able to go home, see my kids off to bed, you know, pick them up from, from school and such. But yeah, it just, it didn't feel good anymore. Like I didn't feel good about, mm-hmm. I mean, even though I, I, I'm pretty sure I helped like a good amount of people, you know, find some, some good roles that they're probably still in now. I won and I lost some deals and clients, but at the end of it all, I didn't feel good. Just quickly, I'm, I'm curious, you feel like helping people feels like a theme and wanting to, you know, either live up to someone's standards or help someone or yes. do you feel like that's always been at the core of your mission really in life. Like I hear that in a lot of your decision-making. Yes. Putting people in front of me and above me, that's mm. definitely what I've come to terms with. And I didn't know if there was an answer, if there was a way out of this like deep, dark hole that I was in. And so that's another, another turning point in my journey is where I needed help. I wasn't like suicidal or anything, but I was just like, a zombie. Like nothing made me happy. I was more sad than I was happy. And mm. it made me feel like such a jerk because I had, you know, I have an amazing husband. I have these two beautiful boys who do nothing but make me smile, make me happy. And I still couldn't get myself to feel that zest for life. And so social media, so- it's funny. I reconnected with who is now my Reiki master teacher. I reconnected with her. She actually is my husband's very good friend's ex-girlfriend. So we did not stay in touch, but we finally reconnected because I saw one of her posts and she was about to have a Reiki session. And I was like, what, what is this? (laughs) Like, have you heard of it before at that time? Or did you seek her out or I, How did you I had know? no idea. I had no idea that there was even a thing called Reiki. I followed, you know, the philosophies of Buddhism. I read books, self-help books, but I never experienced or I never seeked out Reiki. And so I was like, oh, cool. I guess that's what she's been up to the past, you know, 10 years that we've lost touch. So I, I continued to follow her and, you know, I'd see some of her posts and none of them were actually, you know, her in, in the middle of healing anyone, but she would just post these quotes and just certain things that she would say would just resonate with me. And it just really struck a chord in my heart. And I was like, what is this? To, like, I need to talk to her. So I actually scheduled a session with her. And I remember that day too, I just released and released and released. And she was just like, this is what you should have been doing for the past however long. And I was, I was still in that miserable job Mm -hmm. and I was still unhappy. So it became sort of like a once a month thing. Um, I would go back, you know, kind of have the sessions and she would give me the tools and give me the ideas on how to help myself, how to perform Reiki on myself. And then, oh, wow. Yeah. And so she's like, everything I'm doing right now, Eva, it's in your power. You just have to step into your light. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I still get the chills when I think about that conversation. Yes. Um, And that's what I tell all my clients now, (laughs) which is so crazy. It's beautiful. So it's 
come full circle, like my relationship with my master teacher, my relationship with myself, everything from that day on, it just, it clicked like a light bulb. And I knew for myself, I needed to move in a different direction. And what did that look like for you? So I stayed in that job for a little longer than I wanted to, but practicing Reiki or studying, reading the books and such, it it gave me that, I feel like it empowered me to finally cut the cord and just leave. And again, it's kind of a pattern in my life, right? Like when something like stops, I guess, doing anything, how do I say this? Serving its purpose. Serving its purpose. There you go. And that's another thing she told me. If it no longer serves you, why are you allowing yourself it's, it's just going to come back as another reminder, as another lesson until you truly see the light. So I quit without a job again. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like the second time? The third time? <laughs> I, I, I was like, yeah, maybe fourth, third, fourth time. Chris, my partner, he was just like, nah, dude, this, you cannot. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So how did you win that battle? So I sent my resume out (laughs) and I was like, look, I'm sending my resume out. I'm, I'm also studying. And I, you know, I was also simultaneously in my master teacher's Reiki classes. So I, was he embracing that or what was the experience from the family with you leaning into things that may or may not have made sense to them? Well, I kind of eased it into the family kind of lifestyle. I had my master teacher bless our house so she Reiki blessed our house. And then Chris was like, oh, okay. So this is what you've been doing, you know, the past however long, year or so, two years or so. And he knew her from back in the day. Like they were all, like we all used to party together and, you know, in that okay. life in the yeah. past. And so he was just like, okay. Like he actually told me that one day, he's like, I, I really feel like this shift in your <gasps> approach to life. But that also eased his mind when I decided to leave that last job. But luckily for me, I got a bite right away. It's also with the help of, you know, my network, the network that I built from the past, a former recruiter that I was friends with actually knew one of the hiring leaders at the current company that I'm working for now. So he helped push my resume along. So I got a job right away. (laughs) <laughs> and was it a job that you are like energetically happy? I am with, or? so it's like a 180 degree change. And maybe wow. I had to go through that journey, go through that experience to be where I am now, because I'm an in-house recruiter now for a major studio out here. And <laughs> rather than fighting for my candidates, fighting for the clients, like I am provided to the hiring leaders and my expertise is appreciated and I am able to truly hunt and, you know, vet and interview people that I feel that are great for the role versus having to put them into this box to be able to, I guess, I don't know, to fit within a budget or a range for Mm. that old company. Yes, that makes sense. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. (laughs) I do want to, I want to shift just a little bit into how you started Cosmic Pop, which is just a really cool company that attracted me to you again in this new way. And um, yeah, just tell me a little bit about how that came into your life and entrepreneurship and coming back to that part of your life too. Yeah. So Cosmic Pop, so going from function apparel to concrete violet, Cosmic Pop, it still was in me. Like I still needed that outlet, that creative outlet. So this was started, I started this um, actually with my brother during one of his uh, layoff stints. He's a marketing director, so he's got that side of the house kind of covered. And I never know how to just kind of get my ideas all prettied up. So he (laughs) helped me uh, because he knew, I mean, I was like, I was full into Reiki at this point and I was finding ways of just therapeutic ways for myself to get through my heavy days at my old job. Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. started making bracelets and I was like, Hey, this, like, I love just popping into those, those little, you know, those crystal stores or, you know, those little energy stores. And I wear all of that. And it it just, they really do just serve as a, as a reminder, like, Hey, you're okay. Everything's going to be good. Mm -hmm. So incorporating 
my Reiki studies and experience with Reiki into the jewelry making, cosmic pop is essentially that. It's combining mind, body, soul, right? All the crystals that I use in the jewelry, in the pieces, um, they all symbolize parts of the chakra or something that the client is looking to cleanse or clear or to work with. So really, mm. they are just gentle reminders that you are are going to be okay. You need to put you first. Oh, that's beautiful. They're like self-care, intentional. All intentional. Pieces. Yes, yes. I tell people, I'm like, well, if you want to just get like a cute purple bracelet, go on Etsy because that's not me. <laughs> I mean, it could be if we incorporate like the third eye, but you know what I mean? It's just, it's all based off of intention. So Eva, I love the name Cosmic Pop. Actually, that's what kind of caught my attention the first time I realized you had a, a business like this on Instagram, but I'm really curious about how you came up with it. How did you come up with the name Cosmic Pop? That is a great question. So basically Cosmic Pop. So coming full circle, it was a redo from all my previous business ventures. And it was really the first time I had complete control of the business. So I had Function Apparel, Concrete Violet, um, and really this one, Cosmic Pop, was the first time I could actually call it my own. So I kind of circled around the ideas of all my passions. So fashion, my passion in healing, Reiki, um, jewelry, accessories, and, and even pop culture. And it was finally my own business. I could call it my own. And it was really, uh, you know, being able to offer my followers a glimpse into my world, into my healing and the tools that I use to heal myself. And it was the first time I actually didn't have partners to to have to like confer with and like I could actually call it my own. I was running the show. So so really, it was a culmination of my journey, uh, my awakening. I was recently, at that time, I just started really focusing on Reiki, healing, and energy. And it was finally that time, that point in my life where I was able to finally step into my light, which I realize now was always there. Mm, that's really beautiful. Thank you for that. I love that. I know that Reiki has been at the core of a lot of your journey and your shifting and sort of finding the path to step into your light. I think you mentioned to me that you're a practitioner as well. So yes, I went through Reiki one and two fairly quickly um, earlier, but I was recently attuned to master teacher in August of 2019. Ooh. So since then, yeah, it's, been an amazing journey and I'm still walking it. <laughs> I always tell my clients, my cosmic pop clients, and they, they always ask the question like, you know, how did you get into this? What did you, you know, what did you have to do? And it's like, I had to just finally open my eyes and realize I'm good. Like it's you that needs to be able to, it's yourself that needs to be able to find that light, to step into the light, to empower yourself. You can't count on anybody. It has to come from within. Totally, totally. And I agree. I think Reiki helped me find more of that sort of inside journey as well. It helped me really go deep into myself and listen, like listen to the parts of myself that felt really quiet before. Yeah, I relate to that quite a bit. You mentioned empowerment. Ava, I'm curious because I think this is different for everyone, but how would you define empowerment? I was a people pleaser. I felt like I had to like Everything was good. I could check the box after I got the validation from people. And for me, you know, making that 180 degree turn, I feel like empowerment is being able to just be happy, just be, to be, be yourself, to be your authentic self and to be able to walk that path without caring what the next person approves of. And that's sort of, I like to push that message in my pieces as well. Like I said, you know, somebody can call me, I can schedule some time with a client to, you know, custom make, custom create a jewelry piece based on certain areas or certain chakras that they're working on. If they don't like it, then I'm fine that they walk away. But at the end of the day, I know it's my energy, my piece, and it's what's, you know, what I've put into that piece to help them kind of remind themselves that, hey, this is about you and this is my energy and my peace 
my heart, my love going into this reminder for you. (laughs) And that's enough, right? You're always, always going to be enough. Right. Yes. Oh, love that. 100%. Thank you for that. So you started making these bracelets for yourself first? For, my, and then- yeah, for myself. And then my brother was just like, dude, you could totally like, I mean, I'm sure this would resonate with other people too. So I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> like, let's start something. And we were just like kicking words around. And then he's always good with that stuff. <laughs> so I was like, Cos- great. cosmic You know, he's like, yeah, it's like pop culture. But I was like, but I don't want it to be like this like fad thing. I want it to like really, you know, I I want it to stand the test of time. Like I really want people to look at these pieces as a reminder that they're Mm -hmm. loved, that they are loved. They're made from love. It's all love. resonate. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So so your brother came up with the name. It was kind of like a a partnership thing because I wanted the word cosmic in there. And then he was just yeah. like, we're just like kicking ideas around. So he came up with the pop and uh, okay, pop. And it popped. It popped. Exactly. And I was like, that's it. That's it. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I mean, I love the name and I also love the logo. It's crescent moons, moons and stars. The, yeah. The seas and the stars. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? I love it. I love it. Uh, so it's working. Good marketing. Thanks. Good job, bro. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll let him know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good job to you as well, because this is your baby. And I love that you just keep circling back to entrepreneurship. And it feels like entrepreneurship and creativity go hand in hand for you. Do you feel like there's, is that what draws you to it? Or is there something else? You just have this entrepreneurial spirit. I think a little bit of both. Again, like I'm really trying to let go of my ego through my life and this whole thing. So I do what I do because I want to. Mm. But at the same time, it's like I still have that thorn in my side with function apparel. Mm. Oh, I did want to circle back, though. The artist who created my logo was the same artist that created function apparel's logo. Oh, yeah, so interesting. We're all kind of circling back to each other. That's pretty cool. It's awesome. Yeah, I do feel like it is so connected, and the, the hearing your story told in this way to me feels like a journey that makes a lot of sense. Like you said, it's it's all serving the next part of the journey. Yes, it's great to hear that the artwork was connected to the other company as well and the way that it's serving you now it's this interesting like just the way that things hook up and connect is I think is really beautiful so just thank you for sharing all of that I'm curious like what your thoughts are on because you work in finance or you did and you you seek entrepreneurship and and going out on your own and those concepts can be really difficult when it comes to the money part so I think for creatives and empaths, especially <laughs> we, we attach guilt to asking for a trade of dollars for our work. So for me, especially it was important for me to start venturing into the healing relationship I had with money. And it was just a big part of my journey. And I, I'm curious if that came in for you or if you have any advice or any ideas of how we can create healthy relationships with that exchange and that energy to me, it's energetic too. Definitely. It's an energy exchange. So, I mean, that's always been a topic of conversation with my Reiki circle, but my master teacher says it's an energy exchange. So, I mean, if you think about it as like, like an object, like you're paying for this healing, this energy, this thing. So again, depending on, you know, where your clients at, where they are in life, you know, we've, we've offered sliding scales, but at the end of the day, this is your time. This is your energy. You're using, you know, yourself as a vessel to source from source to your client. So you should never feel guilty or bad because this is your time and you're providing them a healing service. And so that's kind of the way we've looked at it. I love that. Thank you for sharing that perspective. And I do want to connect that idea with people who maybe don't think of themselves as healers and maybe aren't working in that space, but that what they're offering the world, I think if it's intentional and coming from like heart and coming from love, like you mentioned earlier with the jewelry making, it's all from love. I think when we do things like that, that serve others and our own purposes, that that is a healing exchange as well. And that, that, that money exchange is a part of that. I think that's the easiest way to kind of explain it. Yeah. Okay. So you make bracelets. Is there any other items that you create in cosmic pop that you can tell us about? I mean, I'm 
kind of dabbling here and there. I've got necklaces going, but all of them are sort of, they gravitate towards the energy and the seven chakras. So, Mm. you know, I make everything based off of, you know, the crystal properties, you know, we could go through all the chakras, right? I do offer palm stones and crystals and some of the, basically all of the tools that I use for myself that I think might resonate with the clients or people looking at the site. That's basically what I seek when I'm talking Mm -hmm. to vendors. I don't get this entire lot of of crystals because I think they'll sell. Like, I don't give a shit Mm -hmm. if they sell. I wanted to help people. (laughs) I wanted to heal people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I have the jewelry. I make the custom jewelry, custom necklaces, but I also offer crystals. Ah, okay, cool. Well, that's good to know because I'm always looking for for crystals, honestly. (laughs) So how do we find you? How do we find Cosmic Pop and how do we find you? So right now, my website has been under construction for about uh, two years now. So best way to find me would be on Instagram. My handle is at Shop Cosmic Pop. And I am on Facebook as well under Cosmic Pop. Cool. Okay. So for someone who may be going through something like this in terms of they're feeling down, they're feeling unfulfilled, they're not sure why they thought they made good choices and they're smart people and, you know, all of that. And, you know, they're listening for a reason and maybe they haven't gone through the shift yet. Do you have any advice as to, you know, how they can lean into that or how they can listen a little closer to the messages that their heart's probably telling them. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was ignoring all of the white noise and truly going within. Mm -hmm. Once I was able to do that, once I was able to put myself first, like I said, step into my light, um, that's when everything changed for me. It's that mind, that small shift, that small tweak in your perspective is what will change things. You have to do it on your own. You have to experience that on your own. Um, and I learned the hard way. <laughs> what, 14 years, 15 years of um, just dabbling and trying things out. But also at the end of the day, it's practice, right? You have to learn to set your ego aside because it, it starts with you. It starts with, you know, with yourself and loving yourself. It sounds yeah. so cliche, but it truly, when you truly feel that you come first in your life and in your partnerships and like, you know, your family, things will change and you will see that light guaranteed. That was beautiful. I felt that in my heart. (laughs) Truly. So so thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Ava. This was so lovely to hear your story and thank you for sharing so openly. Thanks for having me. Wow. I'm so honored to be on this podcast with you. Oh, I'm so glad you came. So glad we did this. Thank you for listening to Be Will Begin. Make sure to catch our Thursday Small Shifts episodes for five-minute self-reflective small questions that follow a theme in a guided meditation style. Also be sure to click the follow button or check mark for Be Will Begin on your favorite podcast app to add it to your library so each episode downloads automatically. And if you'd like to stay connected for workshops and all Beeble Begin offers and get a free guide to working with fear and imposter syndrome, you can go to fearimposter.avanthousemedia.com or click the link in the show notes. Stay safe and keep creating.